Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, and welcome to The Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. So over the pandemic, there was one book that everyone seemed to be reading. It was Casey McQuiston's novel, Red, White, and Royal Blue. It was a huge bestseller. It was like everybody could not get enough of this story of this fictional romance between Alex, the U.S. president's son, and the British prince Henry. Well, now that story is a movie of the same name from Amazon Prime, directed by Matthew Lopez and starring Taylor Zakar Perez as Alex, the president's son, and Nicholas Galitzine as Prince Henry. And the story really does revolve around Alex, the president's son. You see, the romance takes him by surprise, and not just because it's with a member of the royal family, which would be weird for anybody. He's surprised that it's with a man, which makes the story all the more different and exciting. Also, I have to add, the president is played by Uma Thurman, and that is fully a world I want to live in. Like, I will do anything Uma Thurman tells me to do. But ultimately, the film is very much like those old Hollywood romantic comedies, and really not even that old. I mean, it has all the makings of those great Nora Ephron movies like Sleepless in Seattle or You've Got Mail or the Nancy Myers movies like, you know, Something's Gotta Give or It's Complicated with a mix of like slapstick comedy from those old Katherine Hepburn, Cary Grant comedies like Bringing Up Baby. I mean, it was legit a delight to watch. So today I spoke with Taylor about the film, his time in the United Kingdom shooting it, and what it was like stepping into a role for a project that already has this massive fan base. So you have a lot to live up to because like I said before, the book was huge. So go on and grab a snack because I'll be right back with Taylor Zakar Perez. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So the uh. book was insanely huge what did you think when the film came your way i hadn't heard of the book or read the book before the audition came i, I think a, a friend of mine auditioned or was meeting for casting i don't know something in like you know behind the scenes stuff and he sent it to me and he's like hey have you got this audition yet and i said no i don't know what that is he's like here well here's the book i think they're going to start casting it or something i'm like oh, okay so I started, I read it and, you know, it was an incredible book. And then I really didn't have any idea that it was so popular mm. until, until I started telling people that I might be going to England for a project and everybody was freaking out. Even my, my Amita, my publicist was like, oh my God, I read that during COVID. It's an amazing book. Oh my God. And like legit everyone, everyone that I mentioned it to, I, and I still, I, I had no idea. I thought it was just like a COVID book, you know? Yeah. Really, I really didn't know like the magnitude of it. And I, the more and more I 
live my life, the more I understand how much it means to people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it must put like, I mean, when, cause the book was massive during COVID, it must put kind of like a, I mean, but not so much of a pressure, but what do you think it is about the story that people responded mm-hmm. to so much? No, it does put a pressure on. That was all I thought about the entire summer. Um, because as you know, I'm, I'm a Harry Potter fan. Mm-hmm. And so I would go to those midnight book releases with my my siblings and would read the book in the car on the way home and be done by morning. And I would just crave to see when the, the film adaptation would come out. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the Sorcerer's Stone came out and Peeves the Poltergeist was not included in the film. <laughs> and it just wrecked me because I thought Peeves was the best. He was such a it was just a funny character. How could they do this? And I remember how strongly I felt as like a a 10-year-old or 11-year-old mm-hmm. about this. And so, you know, taking some things from my past and just going, I know there's going to be people everywhere who read this book that are going to expect a great adaptation. And it's really up to me because, you know, I feel like it really is Alex's film, um, his journey. And I felt like it was up to me to to make it happen. And so, I mean, I was very sweet of Matthew. I read in um, an interview the other day, he said that I cannonballed into this character, which was so true. Uh, The entire summer, it was like, like no rest. Just, it was like study, study, study the entire summer, watching old films, watching West wing, reading books, and just like trying to get into this kid's head. Um, And so I could bring Alex accurately and specifically to the screen Mm -hmm, definitely well i mean you mentioned two things that are two of my favorites harry potter and the west wing and (laughs) when you were in the uk did you go to the the harry potter studio i did yeah isn't it amazing the dragon when you walk in yes gosh i have the chills right now yes it was incredible i went i actually text my producer because i mean it's summer it's packed yeah and my producer used to work at warner brothers and i was like hey Going out on a limb here. <laughs> Do you still know anybody there? Yeah. And I think Berlanti Schechter is still at Warner Brothers office anyway. And so she made a call and my friend and I were able to go. And it was just, it was magical. It was mm-hmm. magical stepping into that world that, you know, I, you know, we grew up in like those, those seven books were, were life-changing for me and really just sparked my creativity and mm-hmm. what was possible to do in, in TV and film. And I, I mean, you know, it starts with his um, cupboard under the stairs and you're just like, yeah, oh, and build this way into Gringotts. It's just, yeah, it's great. Yes, I went. It's it's a a great, I know every time I go, we, I have to go to the studio. It's, it's, oh, you've gone multiple times. I mean, I go there a lot. So yes, it's, it's, (laughs) there's definitely, there's, there's been multiple visits. Yes. Um, So with, when you're preparing for something like this, because this is kind of like a YA driven story, but there is also a very. I mean, it's a UK based sort of film, but like there is a very American element to it. And you said you watched The West Wing, which is one of my favorite yes. shows. What are the things did you watch to sort of prepare for this? I mean, it's a romantic comedy, but yeah, how do you like how do you get into the mindset for a film like this? Yeah, good good question. Um, lots of discussions with Matthew. We had great rehearsals in the beginning, which I was so grateful for. I, I mean, honestly, I only had a week of rehearsals. And then I got COVID. So then I was doing them from my screen, yeah. which sucked, but it was nice to get, I mean, 
I, I'm glad that I was able to yeah. <laughs> kind of get it out of the way in a way yeah. so that I was good for the summer and then I didn't have to stop production. But then <laughs> Nick got it in July and then we had to stop production for a week. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was fun. Yeah. Um, I, like, every night I think I came home and watched like three episodes of the West Wing. I really felt that that it, it, it kind of is that Sorkin pace and that sam seaborn you know i think alex really wants to be sam seaborn and he's living his best life his west wing life legitimately in the west wing like everything he's ever dreamed of is now happening and he thinks he's a character on that sorkin show yeah and so that's how i was kind of seeing it as i kept watching the western watching the west wing and you know i think what i just kept learning like these people are so smart these people that are on the west wing you know like my gosh um but allison janney yeah. uh, uh uh oh i just listened to his podcast on wtf with mark maron what is his name um ah uh, rob Lowe. no who's it who who's assistant is donna oh donna. oh yeah oh uh oh what's his name oh i know him bradley whitford bradley whitford yes bradley whitford these people are you know they're they're not thinking about what they're saying like mm-hmm. they're you know five paragraphs ahead in their mind already of what they want to say, you know, they're just so smart and smooth and they're just machines. And so I just had to get myself in that feeling of like, I, 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 this kid is a Georgetown law school student. He's incredibly smart. There is no ums there. It's just like constant monologue, just talk, 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 talk. And he was just such a complex character. So that's how I kind of got into the Sorkin side of things. And then started watching, um, you know, there's a film called uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yeah, great film. You know, and he, I feel like Alex has that soul, like that mind. He really wants to make a difference and people keep telling him no. And, you know, I'm when Alex so funny like referring to him as alex and it's me and then mm-hmm. it's like thinking of all the characters names as i'm trying to say this um <laughs> when alex is sent to texas finally his mom believes in his memo um it's kind of like when mr smith goes to washington but he, he's like he's finding out that it's not that easy he can't just give zara the memo and her enact it you know like it's, it's really hard there's lots of red tape you have to get through and there's just ways of doing things and it, it's such a sad film. Mr. Smith goes to Washington because he thinks he can make all these changes. And in the end, like they're all just fighting against him. So yeah. that was um, another film I watched um, bringing up baby for the uh, comedy you know, that like that comedic timing, because I just think Cary Grant and um, Catherine Hepburn, Catherine Hepburn are incredible and yeah. their timing is impeccable and the physical comedy. And I think that was another thing, like the physical comedy I really looked for in bringing up baby because just, I mean, I kept being surprised every time Cary Grant would have a fun, um, big comedic moment. Like when he falls on his hat, you know, just, yeah. they're just those actors of that time had such a different skill set of the actors of today. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of like marrying the theater with film yeah um like it's like vaudeville theater film kind of into one and they just did such a wonderful job so the long way to get answer your question is honestly by that uh watching watching those films but also reading you know biographies like like a lyndon b johnson yeah biography and you know the stuff that alex would alex would have on his bedside table and um you know understanding like 
And I was also very lucky to be a part of a show called Embeds that Mike DeLuca produced. And so understanding what it is like to be on the campaign trail, um, you know, I got to experience that in Iowa for a month while we shot this, this project. So lots of things went into it. It was just constant knowledge, constant educating. And I'm also very lucky because Matthew wrote on the newsroom. And so he does have that Sorkin in him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Sorkin is just incredible. And if you can ever get any any touch of Sorkin, you can. It's going to be right? good. I watched. I, where was I? I went to the theater here to see Jeff. Oh, in uh, the Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, yeah. I just is awesome. Yeah, definitely. Well, so the UK is also such a huge yes. part of it. UK culture. UK. I mean, what do you think it is about? especially in the story, the UK element, the UK culture that the American side of it is so fascinated by. Like we have this, we aren't that far detached from them, but yet they are literally speaking a foreign language to us in a lot of ways. Right. I mean, it's funny when we go, uh, Nick and I will always joke, he'll say stuff. And I'm like, dude, can you just speak English? And he gets so mad because there are certain things that (laughs) that we just like would never say, but there's stuff in the States that we say that they're like, what are you talking about? You crazy American. Um, I grew up with the Royals and the news. I mean, obviously they're still here. I never really subscribed to it as an American. I have friends that are obsessed with the Royals and know everything about them. And I, I kind of just sit on the sideline and I'm like, just shrug my shoulders. Um, I think it's, it's kind of like the fantasy land, right? We grew up, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, a Disney prince and princess story that we watch from afar that's real life yeah and i think i think that's probably why it's interesting it, it's like the olden days that it's still happening mm-hmm. yeah it, feel, it just feels like a fantasy yeah and the drama and then the people that are that are royal by blood and they have to marry somebody from another country who's also royal it just it sounds like you're you're watching bridgerton or something yeah how is that a part of the the film you know, how is that? Is that vibe a part of the film? That's sort of like the curiosity of the American for the UK sensibilities. That's a good question. Um, you saw the movie, right? Yes. Okay. Well, you know, in the beginning when my co-star and I and Rachel Hilson and I are on our way to the Royal wedding, Alex just is nervous because obviously his first interaction with Prince Henry was not great. And she wants to go to this wedding. Like it is the royal wedding. This is what everybody talks about. Of course we're going. He has no interest in it. So I think she brings the fascination to it. Um and I mean probably probably the importance of Uma's character as the president, knowing that she has to have a good relationship with, you know, with the king and queen and prime minister um of the UK. Um, I feel like those are the only two ways but then when they come together, you know, as the first son of the first female president of the United States, it also happens to be half Latin, <laughs> you know, with the first um, prince of England. Mm-hmm. I think that's when it becomes even more interesting because now it's like two powerhouses of the world coming together. And like, what does that mean? Yeah, definitely. Well, so what's so interesting, I think, about it is that. You know, it does speak to the story speaks to a very sort of like specific type of audience and marginalized audience. And they want to and this is sensitive storytelling and the people involved in it and like how you represent the film. And there's just a lot of when you take on a film like this, it becomes something, I think, 
bigger in a lot of ways because of the communities that are probably going to be big fans of both the book and the film. Does that carry any weight for you in terms of the responsibility you might have in terms of how you communicate about the film or how you represent the film? And like, how do you sort of take that on? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think, like I said, from the beginning, there was an enormous weight on my shoulders of, you know, making sure that we were accurate with representation and accurate with character portrayal, because I think it's so easy for an actor to phone it in. I've seen it, you know, with, with a a real, like real life to screen kind of um, uh, adaptation. You're like, Oh, like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I, I think somebody else could have done a better job. And so I think that's why I took it upon myself because knowing how important this film is for many communities. Um, and I've been, <laughs> I've been uh, reminded throughout. So I, I laugh because everywhere I go, people stop me like yeah. young women. I've had like, I had three young women yesterday come up to me at the airport. Two of them had books in their hand and asked me to sign them, which was, really sweet yeah um and then i had a a a flight attendant two flight attendants actually um both men talked to me on the plane like in the last few weeks being like oh my gosh you're part of this film and then i had um wait and then i was in the (laughs) i was in the bathroom (laughs) that's always a fun encounter I was at, yes, you're right. I was, I was like, I'm like, this is very, this is casual. Okay. Um, I was like at the urinal and somebody was talking to me from the sink and was like, wow. Hey, you're playing Alex in the film. Right. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm super excited about the film, man. Like me and my girlfriend, like we love that book. We read it over COVID. Can I get a picture with you? Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was just like, yes but not in the bathroom like like far from the bathroom please like i will be out in a second let me just wash my hands um and so just seeing the diversity of the fans that have been coming up to me i'm like wow this film truly transcends everything like Mm -hmm. it's such a a love story at its core that it just appeals to such a wide audience and Mm -hmm. You know, I think going into I mean, reading the reading the book, I felt that. And then, you know, my mom read it. <laughs> she, she read it and she called me and she was like, Taylor. I am a quarter way through this book. It is very risque. <laughs> I'm like, very risque. I'm like, mom, what are you talking about? She's like, oh, my God, there are so many. There's so many sex scenes. There's so much sexual stuff. I go, mom. I w- you watch me on Minx, right? Yeah. Like you've seen that there is a lot. There's flailing genitalia in that show, right? And she goes, "Yeah, but I think I, I think it's just so descriptive in this book about how sexual you are with different people that I can't read it and not think of my son being sexually intimate with someone." <laughs> and I'm like, okay fair you know so everybody kind of came at me with their opinions and and um and it definitely helped me because i mean going into kissing booth knowing it you know it was a great success on netflix i was like okay i need to make sure vince and i got along right away i saw his vision 
And we went right into rehearsals, right? Like we had the singing, we had the dancing, we had the guitar playing. And I was like, I just need to rise to the occasion. Um, this is a major project and I just need to be, you know, I need to be operating at the same uh, level as everybody else. And so I think I just kind of have that in me, yeah. um, that like sportsman, like, uh, like when I swam, like in the relay, if I was the anchor, like you had to make up all of that time. Like you have to help your team yeah. win. And that's kind of how I operate. It's like, okay, like team captain, team anchor, let's go. How do we do the best and, you know, just yeah. do it. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, in terms of just sort of queer audiences, I feel like that is the core of a lot of the story. And it's the, yeah, core, yeah. It's the core of the people that are going to respond. So like, how does, do you feel any sort of uh, weight there in terms of how, especially your queer fan base, how, how they perceive this film and how they respond to it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that was the community that I was thinking about the entire time filming. And, you know, we had so many conversations between the three of us just being like for accuracy for, um, you know, because once you get into filming, it might look good on, you know, in the script. Right. Mm -hmm. But then when you're in the moment and like you've, you've felt these characters, you've been living in these characters for a few weeks, you're like, Hey, question. What do you think about this? Yeah. And then Nick would be like, yeah, what do you think about that? And then Matthew would go, Oh, that's so interesting. Like I never thought of that. I mean, and cause what he was, had already written is beautiful. Like yeah. I just can't, I can't fault Matthew anywhere with his writing. Like he's just impeccable. Um, but we would have these incredible conversations of like, what do you think? Like, how do you think this will be perceived? Do you think this would be perceived? And he's like, oh, these are all like really good questions. Let me think about it. And sometimes we change it. Sometimes it stay the same. But like we were just hyper sensitive to making sure everything was properly represented, properly accurate. I mean, e even like down to uh, like the sex scenes, like with our yeah. intimacy coordinator, like those conversations were I mean, they were borderline funny because we were talking so seriously about, you know, like a kiss, yeah. a touch, um, emotion. And and I, and I was so we were so grateful to have Robbie Taylor Hunt because he was so professional, but like he kind of felt like your best buddy or like your sibling, you know, chatting with you. Um, and it, he didn't make it feel weird. Yeah. And like Nick and I were always like in deep discussions with him about this because, it, you know, the, the intimacy part is so is so important because Alex's arc as a character as somebody that has only dated women in the past you know like maybe a couple guy hookups like as we see with Miguel but his his arc of think uh, like not liking Henry yeah to going huh Henry to getting kissed by Henry and going oh shit and then you know you go to Paris and then you go to them like having a relationship and it's just like, excuse me, the different degrees of comfort that Alex starts to have and interest that he garners for, um, for, or that I, I shouldn't say garner, like that grows yeah. for Henry. You're just like, this needs to be represented in a, in a proper way. And, and Robbie was with us the whole way and Matthew was there and it was, it was always, it was always like a group, always a group effort, um, which I really respected because, you know, I think you see some films and it doesn't matter if it's about sexuality, if it's about a certain profession, if it's about like a family, you're like, wow, this, 
this came from one person you can tell and then you hear in, in interviews and stuff they're like oh yeah this was like this was his vision or this was her vision yeah. and like with us it was kind of like this crowd sourcing of questioning whenever we would have those questions because there were tons of different um people with different backgrounds that were cast that were behind the scenes mm-hmm. that it just like became this kind of collaborative effort if we ever got stuck somewhere That's and so um, i mean like even greg berlanti and sarah Schechter, like and mike like they all just had they had their inputs and brianna Fr- brianna oh from amazon um but nobody ever was like standing firm like this is it this is it it was like yeah. what do you think what do you think what do you think and like it just everything just was so beautiful like every conversation was wonderful so that's great um it's like i'm talking all over the place but yeah. that's yeah. yes it was a lot of it was a lot of weight that's one well i only have one last question for you so over the trajectory of your career it's so interesting so you have like the kissing booth which was had a very specific type of audience to it you know it had a very d- clear demographic in terms of who was really watching that and then to go to Minx, which was a totally different demographic and type of project and more revealing. And then now to this, which ha- sort of blends a little bit of the Minx audience, which a <laughs> lot of right. people watch, but also the Kissing Booth audience. So, like, are you I mean, how are you sort of navigating the roles that you take? Are you taking a specific way or like are you intentionally trying to sort of I mean, I'm sure you are to expand into lots of different territories. Totally. I mean as an actor, like we want to suspend disbelief. Right. And like, that's where I got into acting. Like I loved being on stage, either like if it was in a musical to be like a crazy bombastic character in like guys and dolls, or if you're in, I don't know, uh, like on the town is like a, you know, sailor or whatever. And like, those roles are just, they're so outside of myself that it was fun to get ready for it every night. And so bringing that into the TV and film world, I mean, kissing booth was exciting because I got to show like singing, dancing, guitar playing, um, being a a Latin addition to an already successful IP. um, You know, like, and so like that meant something. And the amount of times that people have come up to me um, on the street, just like young guys um, with their girlfriends, young guys, with their boyfriends or whatever. They're like, like, dude, you're my favorite character in the kissing booth. I watch it with my girl. I never see anybody on TV that looks like me. Yeah. You know, I think mean, you like, and I'm like, we like, we look similar. And I'm like, that's awesome. You know, like I, I didn't expect that to happen. I went, I go to Mexico. It's insane. Yeah. The amount of people that come up to me and are just like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, you're my favorite character in the kissing booth. Oh my God. Like, it's so nice to see somebody on the screen that looks like my son, you know, and on a part of the, at a grand scale, this international level, which was, which was incredible. And so I think from that, I was just stunned. And then Minx came along and I read it and Ellen Rappaport is brilliant. And I love working with her and I want to work with her again. And I read the pilot and this was before COVID. I think it was like March before mm-hmm. everything shut down. I read it and was like, I need something in this and and just what it stood like, what it stands for, what Joyce's journey is mm-hmm. for um, as a woman in the seventies for what she wants to create and how she meets this, you know, this Jake Johnson character that is a riot, but she just, she's, it's um, I, I liked, I like doing projects that kind of, you know, hide the medicine, right. They kind of sugarcoat yeah. the medicine and you come out every episode 
having learned something, feeling a different way about a different walk of life. And I feel like Minx was that. Um, because yes, it's funny. Yes, it's unabashedly sexy and you know, it's not gratuitous. I will say, like, it's just very real. Like, if this was a if this was a porn magazine, yeah, basically, who is? <laughs> yeah, um, it just it, it really it means something, and and I think it has something on its mind, and that was really exciting for me. And you know, I I, I never shy away from you know people are like, oh, but it's a guest star. I'm like, yeah, but it's a great guest star. I mean, it's a recurring guest star. With a memorable guest star. Yeah. Memorable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Memorable guest star. And the people that are like that I look up to, like I watched Jake Johnson on New Girl and he was my favorite character next to Schmidt. Mm-hmm. And I just think he's a comedic legend. And he's like in his 40s. and I'm calling him a legend. I just think he's incredible, you know? Yeah. And then uh, I, I just like I was like, I need to be on the show. I think it's special. And when we shot the pilot, you know, nobody knew if it was getting picked up. And I got brought back when when it did get picked up. So sorry, I'm like going on and on and on means, but it just it means something. And then this film, you know, I get sent a lot of a lot of scripts, and you know, I auditioned for many roles. Um, but this film in particular, again, it like has something on its mind and is interesting, and and it changes the way changes perceptions. And I think that's what films should do is change the way people think for the better. Yeah. And that's what's exciting me now. Mm-hmm. Um I think I've I'm growing into like growing into myself as an actor a bit more and trusting myself and not being shy to say this is fluff. I don't think that this is a good project. Like I want to do something that when people leave the theater or leave their TV room mm-hmm. they're like, "Whoa." And they can't stop talking about it. And they talk about it at dinner. And they're like, you know, it just does this and it does this. And I was so unexpected. You know, just like not doing the expected thing. And, you know, this is one of those projects. And um, I'm I'm really looking forward to what's next. I mean, if it's Minks and then this, it's like, what's next? How are you going to top that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm yeah, creating a couple of things with some um, two production companies and can't wait to start pitching. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. It's very nice to meet you. Yeah, likewise. Really nice to meet you as well. As someone who loves all things British, this film definitely delivers. Anyway, let me know what you thought of today's episode. You can follow me at H. Allen Scott on everything. I'm even on threads now. And, you know, if you're liking the Newsweek's parting shot, you should go on and leave a little rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really, really, really does help things out. And for the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. And while you're at newsweek.com subscribe to for the culture it's my little newsletter that comes out every tuesday and thursday until then watch something fun and have a great day